Welcome to Life Transformation Radio. This show is all about life transformations and our journey from where we were to why we are doing what we are doing today. We will discuss the hiccups, the roller coasters, and the blood, sweat, and tears that has been poured out while discovering our purpose. It is all about our transformation. Here is your host, Sean Douglas. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Life Transformation Radio. I am your host, Master Resilience Implementer, TEDx Speaker, Business Positioning Strategist, and International Best-Selling Author, Sean Douglas. This show is currently heard in over 74 countries. So whether it's your first time joining us or you've been listening to us for some time, I want to thank you to those who are listening from around the world. Life Transformation Radio is all about our transformation. Here is where we tell the stories of why we're doing what we're doing. We highlight that transformational moment that changed our lives and how we use it to then transform others and elevate their lives as well. You can listen to us live right here on the Blog Talk Radio Network, Tuesday through Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Join our Facebook group, Life Transformation Radio Community, and never miss an episode by subscribing wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Life Transformation Radio can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, Player FM, Radio Public, Overcast, CastBox, Himalaya app, Google Play Music app, and now available on Pandora. So wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, be sure to subscribe to Life Transformation Radio. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review. Let us know how well we're doing. On the show, my guests are entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners, coaches, other podcasters, authors, amazing people who are impacting the world around them. And my guest today does exactly that. If you have any question for any of the guests that I bring on the show during our live broadcast, call us up at 657-383-1109. Again, the number is 657-383-1109. And with that, please help me welcome to the show my guest for today, Barbara Sellers. Barbara, welcome to Life Transformation Radio. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am super pumped and super excited to have you on the show. We met a few months ago. Actually, it was a long month ago. What was that, March March or April? At National Publicity Summit in New York City. And I had the pleasure of meeting you, learning about your story, and said, oh, yeah, we got to do this. We got to get you on the show. And so here we are. I'm pumped to have you on the show. And the topic that we're going to talk about today, I believe, is a very much needed topic that has to have a serious conversation. Right. And so, it's about my book. Yes. Get tough it or is. die. Well, yep, exactly. And so I can't wait to dive into your story. And learn more about you and what you have going on. So the title of the episode is Get Tough or Die with author and award-winning speaker Barbara Sellers. Barbara decided to become a writer when she was nine years old. At large family gatherings, her grandmother got everyone's attention and read humorous parts of Barbara's letters aloud. Everyone laughed and applauded, and so she continued writing. When Barbara wrote to a Japanese pen pal, she unwittingly developed stronger writing skills. 
knowing her pen pal had to interpret her letters into a foreign language, forced her to pay attention to correct spelling and better sentence structure. After graduating from high school, Barbara worked as a secretary in St. Paul, Minnesota, for a few years before moving to Tacoma, Washington, to escape the cold weather. Barbara retired in May of 2009 from the Department of Defense, where she worked for an Army newspaper, the Northwest Guardian, as a reporter, editor, and photojournalist in the public affairs office. While there, she wrote more than 4,000 stories and won 32 individual and staff journalism awards, including the coveted Thomas Jefferson Award twice for Best Newspaper out of more than 6,000 in all four military branches. Barbara is a 30-year member of Toastmasters International and has won many humorous speech contests. After retirement, she did some stand-up comedy at Open Open Mics and has two CDs of original true stories, True Confessions, and Back on the Farm. Barbara is also a special guest on the CD Panic to Power with three world champion speakers from Toastmasters. Get Tough or Die is Barbara's first book, which we will talk about today. Her Facebook and her website is all there in the show notes. Click on those and let her know that you heard Barbara here on Life Transformation Radio. Go to BarbaraSellers.com, click on that, and you can see what she has going on. So, Barbara, the first question I have to ask you, which I think is the most important question that you could ever ask somebody, is why? So why do you do what you do? Well, uh, Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. And I say, this is my why. My why is to write a book that will impact people, and that's exactly what my book is doing. One of the most common responses I get to my book that after people have read it is that they thought they had bad parents, but after reading my par- my book, they decided that their parents weren't so bad after all. In fact, one lady told me she had not spoken to her parents for 20 years because she thought she had such bad parents. But after reading my book, she said that, she reconnected with her parents, and now she is forming a strong bond with them again. Now, wow. if my book can have that kind of effect on people, then I think that it was well worth writing. But I also wrote my book as a way to honor my two sisters who died at a very young age. And I thought that was one of the best things I could do to honor them and and make the statement that their lives were worth living because mm-hmm. I, I struggled with that for a while. Um, wow. One of my sisters in particular who died when she was 19, I felt like she only lived long enough to suffer and then die. Jeez. And I wanted to do something to make her life meaningful that her life did have meaning and did have a purpose that's i can't even imagine i i don't know i can't even imagine what that's like i've i've lost best friends i've lost relatives you know a grandfather and uh, you know 
aunts and uncles and stuff, but like, I mean, having a sibling or even like a child, like even like one of my kids, like I just, uh, I don't think there's anything tougher than that. Like in life. I just don't think there's anything tougher than. I wasn't living at home when that happened. That happened after I graduated and I had left. And I think that if I had been there and if I had not been able to get the medical help for my sister that she needed to save her life, I don't think I would have handled it. I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have been Mm -hmm. able to handle it um, because uh, that would have just hit me so hard. Um, I wasn't there when it happened and that probably helped me. Uh, it still bothered me a lot for years. Sure. Because, oh, for sure. Uh, um, because she had pneumonia, and and she, and my father refused to get her to a doctor, and just let her die because he didn't think she was worth saving. Oh my gosh! Wow. There yeah, was like a Minnesota I, I can't snow even, blizzard. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I had um, one powerful statement that I opened up with once when I gave a speech about child the prevention of child abuse, mm-hmm. and I opened up with a traumatic traumatic event that happened to me, uh, and I said, when I was five years old, a man grabbed me threw me on the sofa, pinned me down, held a shotgun to my head, and said he was going to kill me. I closed my eyes tightly and knew I was going to die. I heard the sound of the trigger, but the final blast never came. All that followed was the sound of laughter, the insane laughter of a man who was delighted at the terror in my face. That man was my father. That's just one of the stories that I include in my book about surviving child abuse. And it wasn't just me because I was the sixth born out of 14 children. And we grew up on a large farm in Minnesota. And we were expected to help earn our own room and board from the day we could walk. We had jobs to do, and it was a big farm, and we were often put into life-threatening situations in jobs that we were not old enough to have the skill level to do. Mm. And I remember the first time I was put on a full-size tractor, my older brothers and sisters were already in school, and I was told to steer the front wheels between two rows of corn while my father loaded the corn onto the wagon. Well, I was afraid that I would fall off that big metal seat and fall in front of the big tire and get squished. And it was pretty hard for me to focus on just steering the wheel, the two front wheels between rows of corn. But if I ran over any corn, my father would take me off the tractor and whip me for not being able to drive it good enough at the age of four. Wow. But but I remember the exact moment when when I thought I would have to get tough or die. 
and I was mm-hmm. four years old, and my and my father came in the house and told my mother to put my snowsuit on me because he had a job for me to do outside. And she didn't ask any questions about what job or anything. Back then, women would just do what their husbands told them to do a lot of times, and no questions right. asked. And and my mother was abused too, so. She she was uh, afraid of my father too, but um, my father took me out to a grain bin, and and there was this oats bin that was right above a hammer mill where he ground feed for the uh, to make slop for the pigs, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was a little square trap door right above the hammer mill, and it was just big enough for me to fit into that little hole up into the grain bin. And normally when the grain bin was full of oats, he would just slide the little trap door and then the oats would go into the hammer mill um, once he started it up using a conveyor belt that was hooked up from the tractor to the hammer mill. And the, the top of the hammer mill had like a whole bunch of sharp knives. Now I think they have little teeth but back in those days, it was a whole bunch of sharp knives. And once the the machine was started, it, it looked like it was going 100 miles an hour. And, and if anyone one fell into that hammer mill, they could be ground up into hamburger before anyone could shut oh down gosh. the equipment. And, and uh, my father put me up there, and he told me because it was in a V shape, and the oats would no longer come down through that little trap door by itself. And so he said I was supposed to push the oats down through that little door once he started up the equipment. And I said, what do I have to hold on to? I don't see a rope or anything to hold on to. Because my snowsuit was slippery, and every time I started to climb up to push oats down, I would start sliding toward that little trap door, the opening, and I was so afraid I would fall into that hammer mill and get ground up into hamburger. And he said, you don't need anything to hold on to. Just push the oats down as fast as you can. And so he started up the, the machine, and... Um, at one point, I started to slide down, and I did the little girl splits and landed one foot on each side and prevented yep. myself from falling in. But from then on, that's the moment I decided I was going to ignore him from yelling at me to push the oats faster, and I was only going to push it in as fast as I could safely do so because I had to right. look out for my own life. Because the adults in my life weren't going to protect me, I knew I would have to protect myself. Wow! And, uh, when when he finally shut down the equipment and got me down from there, uh, he stood in the doorway of the granary and he was looking up and at the first snow for the year and. He was talking about the weather, and I was a little four-year-old girl standing there thinking, why is he talking about the weather? Didn't he know that his precious little four-year-old girl came really close to falling into that machine and could have been killed? That's what I was thinking. Oh, you were four? Four years old? I was four. 
Holy smokes. And I survived many other incidents. Um, once he handed me a corn knife, and it was a cheaply made corn knife. He sent me out in a field, and he said I was supposed to cut two rows of corn down and put them, the stalks in another row. And, the, and, and it was more than a mile long, two rows of corn more than a mile long, which is a big job for an 11-year-old girl to do in the first place. But I was used to hard work, and, um, and I started chopping. He said he was going to come out there in a little while with a wagon, tractor and wagon, and uh, I better get it done quickly because if he caught up to me, he was going to whip me. And so um, he said, I better stay ahead of him. So I went out there, and I started chopping as fast as I could. But then the corn knife started to break in half. And I bent it back a few times, but it kept trying to break. And so then Mm -hmm. I decided, well, if I continue working with this dysfunctional corn knife that's breaking, uh, then I won't be able to chop the corn very quickly. And uh, But if I run home and see if I could find one of my brothers to weld it back together, then I would lose a lot of time. And um, I, it was a tough decision, but I ran home to get find a, one of my brothers to weld the corn knife back together. And um, my father came out and saw me there, and he says, what the hell are you doing home? I said, you're out in the cornfield to cut down corn. And I said, but the knife started to break, so I came to get it fixed. And he said, let me see that damn knife. And then he bent it back, and he says, there, I fixed it. I'll go back out there and finish the job. Well, I knew now I had lost a lot of time, and I knew that I I still couldn't chop the corn down very fast because it kept breaking. It kept bending back, and I had to keep bending it back. Finally, he Mm -hmm. went out with the wagon and the tractor and he was catching up to me. He said, chop faster, chop faster. And I said, I can't chop the corn down any faster or the knife will break. And so then he grabbed the knife away from me and he he said, yes, you can. And he whacked. And on his first whack, the knife split in half and one piece went flying in the air. Then he took the rest of the corn knife and he started whipping me with it and pushed my face in the dirt and then kicked me in the butt and said, now, get the hell out of here before I kill you. Wow. And at that moment, I felt like he knew he could was capable of killing one of his own kids. He probably could have dug a hole and threw me in because back in those days, they didn't have any laws to protect children. There was no place for my mother to turn as an abused woman. There was no place for us kids to, to turn. They they had laws to protect animals before they had laws to protect children. There That's was insane. No, there were no places for us to go to, for help. So we just had to get tough or die. We had to survive. And each yeah. of us were doing what we could to survive. The best we could. One time he lined us up and he said, "Do you think I had you kids to help me make money?" No, I had. I had, he said, "Do you think I had you kids to help me spend money?" No, I had you to help me make money. And we we were shocked that he. We already knew that, but we were shocked 
he he was dumb enough to admit it yeah. in front of us. Oh my gosh! But um, yeah. So, so we had so we these... had some really rough things to survive. I growing up on yeah, the Yeah, it the sounds farm. like I mean I got I got young kids that could never. Ah uh, man, that's I could but never be like that. The amazing thing is, Sean. The amazing thing is, uh, children who are victims of child abuse are nine times more likely to become alcoholics, drug addicts, or or criminals. But mm-hmm. all 12 of us who survived, now two of my sisters died before they ever left the farm, but all 12 of us who survived, we we got educated above high school level. Eight of us got a bachelor's degree or higher. Uh, three mm-hmm. got a master's, one got a Ph.D., and we all had highly successful careers. And six of my seven brothers served honorably in the military. Three were in Vietnam, but they all came back in one piece. Good. They were used. Do you think to, it was because of him? Jump. Do you, Do you think that Pardon? success was? Do you think that success was because of him? Do you think that it was because that was the way that you were raised? Well, in a way, uh, in some ways, I remember. When I was uh, in college, after a 12-year marriage, I had two children, 5 and 10. And um, my first husband um, had never sowed his wild oats, and he decided to do so after 12 years of marriage. So he filed for a divorce unexpectedly after I supported him through college, and I was in college full-time at the University of Puget Sound. And... um, I, uh, the University of Puget Sound was awesome because um, I went to my advisor and I told her I didn't know if I'd be able to stay in college because I was going through this unexpected divorce. And she said, mm-hmm. well, it's important that you stay in college and you're a good student, she said, and you're going to need a college education to support your two sons. So she said, I can arrange to get some money back from an emergency fund for you. From the from a college emergency fund, uh, and uh, to help with the tuition, and then she helped me so I also get another scholarship, and I was there on a scholarship, and mm-hmm. um, then and then I got another scholarship, and then I got three part time jobs, and she said, and if you need any bread and milk money, come see me, and I will take it out of my own pocket. Now, wow, that is. That is support. That that's the kind yes. of support I got from the University of Puget Sound. That I, I, that was the best university I could have ever gone to because once you're a student there, they support your students um, mm. more than a hundred percent. I mean, they they I can't say enough good about the University of Puget Sound. But anyway, um, so uh, I, I had a neighbor who called over to me and asked if she could come visit when I was doing some art work on my deck. And I said, sure. So she came over and she said, you know, I envy you. And I said, what? Why in the world would you envy me? I don't even know where my next meal is coming from. I said, why would you envy me? Because you have a husband and two nice kids and you don't have any financial worries like I do. And she said, I envy you because you're strong like a rock. And she said, if I were in your shoes, I would shatter like glass. Mm. 
And I didn't think much of that conversation, but two years later, uh, she went through an unexpected divorce. Unlike Mm. me, she had lots of money, so first thing she did is go out and buy a new car. But she was uh, a college student at Pacific Lutheran University, and she was top of her class, graduated magna cum laude, and uh, but then uh, she lost custody of her kids, and she became suicidal and tried to jump off the Narrows Bridge, and uh, so uh, she knew something about herself and me, mm-hmm. and uh, and she ended up dying at the young age of 36. She was suicidal. Jeez. She and she oh she she couldn't handle she. When she was, she came over to my house to use my phone because there were no cell phones and her phone wasn't working. And she mm-hmm. looked at my Christmas tree, and 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 uh, I asked her if she had her tree up, and she said no, there was no point to it since she didn't have her children. And she said the only way she could see her children for Christmas is if she died and they could come to her funeral. And that bothered me to have her hear her say that. So I I went over to. See, to see her later, uh, just as she was uh, getting ready to leave for Canada to go to visit her mother. And I, I knew that was bad because every time she was around her mother, she got worse, not better. And um, she then I, a few days later, I found out she had, she had run out of her mother's house barefoot, didn't take her diabetes medicine with her. She went into a, a diabetic coma and died. But I thought then, you know, that she said she envied me because I was strong like a rock, and if she were in my shoes, she would shatter like glass. Well, she knew something about herself and me that I didn't know at the time, and I think that if surviving child abuse made me strong like a rock, that was probably the one real good thing that came out of it because I did it did make me tough. It it did I once I survived my childhood I felt like I could survive anything. No matter mm-hmm. what happened to me. I thought it would be better than what I had already survived. So when my uh, for my husband my had left me after twelve year marriage and I was and I had no money, and he took all the money out of the bank, and no food, and no money, and I was a full-time student, and I needed to stay in college, and I got some part-time jobs, and I was working three part-time jobs. I didn't sleep much, and Jeez. and making house, a car, and college payments all at the same time. People said that's impossible to do. You either have to sell your house, or you have to quit college. But when people told me I couldn't do something, I knew that I would do it. Because I was very determined, and wow. So, so where so uh, where can where can someone get the book? Do they just go to your website? We're, let's get that in before because we have to we have to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, where can okay. someone get the book? It's available on Amazon right now. It's uh, for sale on Amazon. I think they put it for sale at a reduced price for Christmas. It would make an excellent Christmas gift for anyone who thinks they have a tough childhood and they think they have bad parents, but really their parents in their childhood are not so bad after all. And Mm -hmm. so um, they will be more grateful for the childhood and the 
the parents they have if they read my book, guaranteed. Um, so the book is called they can get, get it on Amazon. Or it, it's being it's being made into a, a talking book right now, but it's yeah. available on Kindle and book, it's yeah. available on paperback. Of Kindle wow. and paperback. And Kindle plus, and paperback. It's, getting, get it's it. getting made into an audio book then. Yeah, it's being made into an audio yeah. book. I had to approve the reader. It's a professional yep. reader that that's being Very provided cool. and, and and so I got a sample of the wow. reading and and so she is um in the process of turning it into an audio book right now. Love it. Uh, so far I got 27 five-star reviews on Amazon and my that's paperback awesome. didn't get released until about 2 months ago. And uh Ninety percent of all published books never sell more than a hundred copies. Did you know that? Ninety yes. percent never sell more than a yes. hundred copies. But I have sold yep. one thousand one hundred and thirteen copies. Wow, in, that's in awesome. Book. And uh I think that my book could be a number one New York Times bestseller. It's Love it. just it's new, but it's a powerful sure. book and I'm a powerful writer. Oh yeah. Well, we'll have you back, yeah, you and, uh, and 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 when back, you'll be a New York bestseller. Be awesome. Thank yeah. you so much for coming and on the show. Absolutely. Publisher. I also have an author's page uh, under Barbara Sellers, S E L L E R S dot com, and I also have a Get Tough or Die Facebook page on mm-hmm. Facebook, and Love they it. can and I, I I print additional information on there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Absolutely amazing. Uh, if anything resonated with you, please contact Barbara and let her know that you heard her here on Life Transformation Radio. And with that, I close the show by saying live your brand. Find opportunities every day to live out the core values that you hold deep in your heart. And I call this living your brand. So until next episode, live a great life.